This is Chrysalis. Part 12. The palace had plunged into a frenzy of activity. There were squads of soldiers running along the corridors, dodging scattered crates and boxes. Groups of captive staff workers were evacuating, escorted by the Anakax troops. The palace was certainly under siege by an external force. It wasn't just the Anakax troops causing the mayhem, but they sure seemed unfazed by it. This was the work of the Terran. I was sure of it. How much time do we have? The lead Zemvirian soldier looked down at me as if debating whether to answer or not. Or maybe he hadn't understood the question. It didn't look as if he had a very firm grasp of the Council's interlanguage. None. Already here. I flinched in disbelief. It wasn't possible. Any warp tunnel the Terran had used would have been detected hours before its collapse, just like in Yovit, either by the remaining Zemvirian authorities or the rear guard the fleet had orbiting the capital planet. The only way they could have missed the approaching Terran in warp was if it had solicited a valid flight plan ahead of time. The image of the murderous machine filling out the authorization request and submitting an attack plan for approval was ludicrous. Someone else could have submitted the flight plan, inserted it directly into the database. Someone with direct access to the Republic's military computers with the authority of the Imperium Palace, the seat of government itself. My escorts whisked me away. Leaving the Emperor far behind me, surrounded by his own ring of armed soldiers, I descended a long flight of stairs and entered a new corridor, now walking in the same direction most of the Zanvirians were moving to evacuate. When we crossed the stationary military group in high-ranking apparel, my irises activated and flashed an icon atop one of the Zanvirians. He was someone I had met before and whom I deemed important enough to add to my irises' facial recognition. The displayed text read, Derica, leader of the Anakax tribe. I remembered him now. Nakstani and I had met him during our visit to Anakax Farvin some time ago. He was one of the leaders of his tribe, more consumed with economics than politics. I had never seen him in the Imperium Palace before, let alone dressed in a military outfit apparently leading a coup. The military garments fit the Zanvirian poorly. He already lacked the confidence of most generals or fleet admirals, and his costume was just accentuating that deficit. I was looking at a businessman playing soldier. I waited until we passed the stationary group and abruptly stopped. My chaperones nudged me to resume walking, but I turned to face the tribe leader instead. Derica! Derica! Ah, yeah. The new ambassador. My apologies. I don't recall your name, but... There'll be time to reacquaint once we both evacuated the planet. Betraying your own kind? Betraying the Council for the Terran? Why? Yeah, I see. Nakstani was always astute. I shouldn't have expected any less from her successor. You gave it a warp opening, didn't you? You snuck a false flight plan in so that the Terran could blindside the defense forces. We did. We also ordered off the defending forces around the planet to warp away under false pretense. 
We shared the Emperor's confidential records with the Terran regarding the destruction of its own species, the codes of planetary defense stations, and the locations of the remaining Council of Zunvirian fleets. I was speechless. The treason. The extent of the betrayal, the consequences. With their focus on civil liberties and economic freedoms, the Anakax tribe had originally been one of the major forces behind the Empire's transformation into a republic. And one of the Council's natural allies in political reform. This was unprecedented. Why? This is, is suicidal. Oh, I disagree. You've heard the story of the Bone Titans, eh? This is not the time for a mythology lesson, Derek. I'll make it quick. In the story, the town of Neckett was attacked by great lumbering creatures made of bone. The Titans were invincible. They were impervious to lance and arrow and swords. The town's leaders were desperate. The tribe was facing complete annihilation at the hands of the monsters. Until one of them figured out what the Titans wanted. Bones. Fresh ones. So the eldest in town sacrificed himself. His bones were put in a ditch at the entrance of the town. And it worked. The next time the Titans returned, they didn't destroy any house or farm. They just scooped up the bones and left the way they came. So the town kept up the tradition. And every five years, the eldest would be sacrificed. Neckett would never have to worry about the monsters again. You're talking about appeasement! Yeah. The Terran wants justice, eh? Or vengeance. As your Grand Minister aptly noted in his conversation with the machine. So we decided to give it what it wants. The information. The location of the Emperor. The seat of the government. The names of those tribes that were involved in the genocide. Both the incident and its cover-up. You can't be serious. The Terran's concept of justice involves the complete extermination of the Zunvir Republic. Ah, but you're not talking to a tribe leader of the Zunvir Republic anymore. I am now Minister Derica of the newly formed nation of Anakax, a fledgling democracy that has just declared its independence from that evil republic. The Terran won't care about- The Terran will understand that we're on its side. It will understand the Anakax tribe was always against the militaristic expansion of the Empire, and that we're underdogs fighting for freedom and justice. Natural enemy of those who destroyed an entire species. If anything, we fought our best to prevent tragedies like that, even if we didn't always succeed. The convenient narrative sickened me. But I had to admit, the ploy might actually work. My own experience with the Terran led me to believe that the Replicator had a very binary worldview. Everything was a one or a zero. Either it would stop at nothing to kill you, or it would go out of its way to save you. I witnessed the former, and I was a beneficiary of the latter. So if the Anakax tribe managed to curry the Terran's favor by way of triggering reciprocity, they had a good chance of emerging unscathed. Still, it was wrong. You're scared. I know you are. Scared of what another attack on Anakax Farvin might do, but even if you survive, it will be at the expense of hundreds of millions of innocent lives. And how many innocent lives are there in Anakax Farvin, Ambassador? What would you expect us to do? 
You can afford to be self-righteous. Because it's not your world being targeted for destruction. It's not your friends who will die. Not your tribe. Not your family. We don't have the luxury of your elevated morals. We must look out for our own first. I was defeated. It was clearly wrong. But what could I expect in light of widespread destruction of another inevitable genocide? I could understand the logic, the calculations, but was victory worth the loss of integrity? Was mere survival justified if in order to achieve it you must become a monster? I had to do something. Let me talk to it. What are you talking about? Give me a communication channel with the Terran. The same information link that you used before. I believe I can reason with it. There's no bloody time for that. Besides, it's already been tried. Not properly. Not by me. I had contact with its machines back in Yovit. Maybe it will still remember me. Look, this palace will be destroyed. Perhaps this entire planet. We can't remain here. I'm not asking you to stay. You can leave. Just give me that channel first. If you stay, you do so on your own. With no way out. I was tempted to follow the Zundirian's recommendation to evacuate. To abandon my idea. Or maybe talk to the Terran from the relative safety of a spaceship. Except that putting myself in danger was part of my plan. It had to be. The idea was simple. The Terran had saved me once so it might save me twice. If the Terran knew I was down here, it might refrain from an indiscriminate attack on the planet. It might be forced to examine the nature of its own morality, pitting its thirst for justice against its capacity for empathy. Maybe it wouldn't work, and I would be disintegrated along with the palace itself, but if there were even the slightest chance that I could save millions of innocent Zunvirian lives, then... It was a chance worth taking. I closed my eyes. Uncertain. I thought of Nakstani. Of what she would have done in my place, but of course I knew exactly what her opinion would have been. <sighs> this was the frontier after all. I was in the middle of the action. I gave the Anakax tribe leader a curt nod. More to reassure myself than anything else. I know what I'm doing, Derricker. You and your tribe can leave. But please, open that channel for me first. Do what you like. I hope your counsel won't blame us for your loss. Before I could reply, Derricker had already turned to give instructions to my escort soldier. The soldier didn't look happy, but he acknowledged the orders and started walking towards a side corridor, motioning me to follow. I did. Not even saying goodbye to Derricker. As soon as we got out of the main corridor, the soldiers started running, and I struggled to keep pace. We whizzed by empty offices and heavily decorated rooms. I felt guilty for putting this soldier in a dire situation, risking his abandonment if we took too long. So I pushed myself to run harder and faster than I thought I could. We raced along marble corridors, our steps against the smooth floors echoing in recently vacated rooms. I wondered if we could be the only two left inside the sprawling Imperium Palace by now. If everyone but us had evacuated already, maybe the Emperor was here too. Had they locked him inside a prison room, sentencing him to be destroyed by the Terran. Like a blood sacrifice for a vengeful god. Or had they taken him prisoner, 
choosing to play God themselves. We entered a large war room, its round walls covered in vid projectors showing an orbital view of the battle raging outside. Apparently, the Terran had already engaged the meager defense forces, and its main ship was steadily advancing. The planetary defense stations were nowhere to be found. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses continue to build the future. Our expertise, talented workforce, and proven adaptability are making a difference now and shaping the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org slash radio to put your plans in motion. That's michiganbusiness.org slash radio. In 60 minutes, you can fulfill your alcohol orders through Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can easily browse your favorite brands, compare prices of local stores, and then have your necessary spirit supplies delivered, just in time to craft your next chrysalis cocktail. Download the app or visit DRIZLY.com today. Use code DUST and save $5 on your first order. The soldier pushed the large chair out of the way, activating a console. We waited as the screen loaded. Then he pointed at a tactile icon. Press and talk. Wait, are you sure it's... I was about to say something, but the soldier was already running for the door. I focused on the icon, wondering what to say, how to approach it. What would my first words be? My hands were trembling. This was a very stupid idea. Potentially a lethal one. Every time I had tried addressing the Terrans' machines back at Yovit, they had remained silent. It had ignored my pleas, comments, and commands. Why would it be any different now? I tried to let go of my fears and review what I knew, like I had done back at that dinner reception so long ago. I tried to see what I had missed before. I closed my eyes and imagined Nakstani sitting right beside me. I thought of her predatory smirk. She would have looked back at me and seen my every insecurity. Tell me, what mistake did the Sarkinen make? Well, he thought he was in a position of superiority. That their military display would act as a deterrent. And the Council having a countermeasure only reinforced that belief. Hmm, that's true. But that wasn't why he failed. Was it? Even in death, her perception was crucial. I thought for a moment. Ever since the Terran let us escape the destroyed colony world, I, I suspected that there was some sort of latent sentience inside the machine. Some traces of empathy. No. He failed because he didn't engage the Terran at an empathic level. He couldn't see it from the Terran side. And he treated it as an enemy from the start. So what should you do then? Huh. I opened my eyes and pressed the console's icon. A light next to it changed from red to blue. A text message appeared, indicating the language cipher was active. I paused, clearing my head of any doubt, of any worry. I took a deep breath. 
Hi. My name is Dowkett. We've met before. On the colony world of Yovit. I was one of the survivors in the crashed spaceship, the one you rescued. I... I just wanted to thank you for saving my life. You know, mine and the pilots, and I thought that maybe... I thought that maybe you might want to talk. Just that. Talk. No hidden agenda. I waited a few more seconds. Still no reply. This had been a very, very stupid idea. But I was past the point of no return, so with nothing else to do, I just kept talking. Look, I, I mean, I'm not sure if you remember me. You, you made us a replacement spaceship and sent for medical supplies, and look, I didn't really know what I was doing. But Tilgira talked me through it, and your soldiers, they were, they were very helpful. They weren't very talkative, but they were, um, they were very helpful, and... A synthetic voice interrupted me. Recognizable, but it had definitely changed since I last heard the Terran speak. Now it sounded distorted and flat. I'd imagined it's what the Bone Titans must have sounded like. And it sent a cold shiver down my spine. I remember you. That was Chrysalis Part 12, performed by Corey Hawkins, Tony Collette, Chris Diamantopoulos, Eric Satterberg, and Matthew Wolfe. Directed by Alex Kemp. Chrysalis was written by S.H. Serrano and adapted by Stephen Michael and Macklin Malogi. Chrysalis is executive produced by Corey Hawkins, executive produced by Stephen Michael, and associate produced by Sarah Newton at Gunpowder and Sky. This season is produced by Toby Lawless at Wolf at the Door Studios. 